Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. I have a blue Audi, matching target description, approaching the drop zone. Roger that, I have eyes on a blue Audi. Exiting the vehicle, a white male in a pilot's uniform. ID confirmed, that is Tango 1. Tango 1, heading interior. Roger that, Blue 2. Move to your second position, Blue 3. Prepare for handoff. Tango 1, now interior. Blue 3, confirm visual. <laughs> Say again, Blue 3, do yeah. you have visual? Visual confirmed, sorry. And a mouthful of egg and cheese. You're meant to be in character, Blue 3. How many trolley dollars do you see stuffing their faces as they go through security? My character skipped breakfast and is woefully hungover. And I don't think we say trolley dollies anymore, do we? Tango 1, approaching security. Uh, yes, thank you. I'm not blind. He's right there. It's incredible how having a go on a covert radio can make a bunch of, frankly, unremarkable men think they're Jason Bourne. Blue 2, approaching second position. Confirm Tango 1 is moving outside. Tango 1 nonsense. Tango 1 is Miguel Angel Espinosa. He's a Venezuelan assassin, but not a particularly good one, as evidenced by him not having spotted that half the people in this airport are talking into their sleeves, or that he's being followed by a cosplay stewardess in two small shoes with egg mayonnaise all over her cravat. Roger that. Blue 3, confirm visual on Tango 1. He's right here. If I get any closer, we'll need contraception. I mean, just call him Miguel. He's not listening, is he? And if he was, even Miguel would know who Tango 1 is meant to be. Tango 1 has cleared security, so at least he doesn't seem to have a gun on him. Oh, come on. Seriously? Report, search for weapons. Note that the actual assassin walks straight through without a problem. Uh, yes, I know, it's egg. Wait, you don't need to open that. No, they're going through my bags. Okay, wait, well, I'm going to clear this. Um, you might want to answer that. Yes, well, they're in a clear bag in the suitcase. I'm in a little bit of a hurry here. No, I didn't put the bag through separately because I'm... All right, you want to get into this? Fine. I am allowed a handful of 100 millimetre bottles of liquid. And as long as those bottles are in a clear bag, you lot are perfectly happy, right? But do you imagine for a second that I can think off the top of my head of about 20 different explosives, chemical weapons and neurotoxins that I could mix from a few small bottles of liquid. Enough to kill every single person on a 747 in seconds. So don't try to kid me that just because they're in branded bottles in a see-through bag... No, 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 I'm not saying those are chemical weapons. Don't be dim. I'm saying that this entire process is performative. It's the appearance of security. It's all of the inconvenience with none of the function. No one is any safer because I put my shampoo and moisturiser through the machine separately. If you're done, Blue 3, you're clear to proceed. Right. Good. Oh, by the way, the guy you waved through before me is an assassin wanted in seven different countries, so nice job, guys. Wrong side of the bed this morning, Clara. Wrong bed. No offence taken. Sorry, Bill. What you were there. Can we keep this professional, please? I think that ship has sailed, don't you? Does anyone have eyes on? He's 
outside duty free, heading west along the concourse. No, I'm turned around. Which direction is west? You're right. Thank you. Okay, I see him. Bill. Can we talk about this later? Can you two not text each other during an op? Sorry, just... It was a flippant comment, Bill. Just said... This left is going up. Let's not do this now. Running facial recognition for potential target ID. Okay, so here's what you need to know. Miguel Angel Espinosa, bargain basement, Venezuelan hitman, hired by... We don't know who, but we do know that despite being disguised as a pilot, Miguel can't fly a plane and he doesn't have a ticket for one. So, we think his target is somewhere here in the departure lounge. We're now running facial recognition on all passengers and staff, hoping to identify that target so we can get ahead of the game. I've got a hit. Passenger travelling as Bogdan Szepanski. Male, European, 5'10", dark suit, yellow tie. He's sitting at the champagne bar. Tango 1 is about 30 seconds away. Eyes on, dark suit, yellow tie. OK, I'm moving ahead of Tango 1. Why has the computer picked out Szepanski? Because Szepanski is not Szepanski. His real name is Dragan Spasojevic. He's a wet work specialist from Serbia. Serbia? Oh, good. So we're protecting one bad guy assassin from another bad guy assassin. Remind me why I got out of bed this morning? Any excuse, apparently. Figure of speech, Bill. Okay. I see the target. Black suit, yellow tie, confirmed. Are we going to extract him? Waiting for the order. Okay, well, let's not wait too long. Target one is on the approach. Target is turning towards me at... Oh. What is it? Target is neither Szepanski nor Spasojevic. That's Aldrich Kemp. Who? You're not clear for this. No one is clear for this. What's going on? Tango one is down. Tango one? Spinoza! Spinoza is down! Keep eyes on Aldrich Kemp! Tango one side of the game has been stabbed in the throat. Oh boy. One second. Okay, I've got a runner. Get eyes on a female, black hair, 5'8, blue coat heading. Ah, I don't know the directions here. Towards the bathrooms. Got visual. Confirm. Blue coat moving east. I'm going after her. No, stay on target. No, the target can take care of himself. You thinking that, Bill, is why we should never have skipped the getting to know you part. Which way did she go? Lost visual. Oh, crap. She's gone backstage. It's key card access. How is she? One second. Go. Oh, bloody shoes. I can't hear you. I'm literally going through a tunnel. Oi, you can't be back here. I'm on the tarmac. Stop! There's nowhere to go from here. Hanti! What? I don't know what that means. Okay? That is easier to follow. Yeah, I'm getting the gist now. Look, if I'm honest, today is not going well. But you and I know that you are not going to shoot me in broad daylight. 
by Julian Simpson. Chapter 1. Funeral in London. Oh, really, Mum, there's no need to worry. It's just a fencing injury. I've had them before. Par for the course. Well, lucky lunge. Uh, uh, more of a flesh, actually. Caught a cluster of nerves in my shoulder. Well, it's all, but... I'll live. No, left shoulder, so I can still... No, I'll wait until the doctor says I can fence again. I don't want to... Yeah. Yep. Listen, I have to go into something, so I'll call you later? No, it's a work thing. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm on sick leave, but they need me to pop in for something. For the wicked, exactly. Yeah. All right, I'm going to... I will, yeah. Okay, then. Bye. Okay, to recap, that was my mother. She used to be a member of an international criminal conspiracy called the Themis Group, then run by Aldrich Kemp's Aunt Lily. <laughs> Mum had her mind wiped by something called a kaleidoscope machine. Now she has no recollection of her past life at all, and I am fine with that. Clara Page, I think I'm expected in room 23. Through that door and down the stairs. Thanks. Mum thinks that my father was a glamorous yacht captain she had a tryst with in Monaco. In actual fact, my father is a man I always knew as Uncle Dave, who ran a chip shop in Penzance. It's that Uncle Dave is not really Uncle Dave. He was, in fact, Dr David Hazlitt, the scientist who got together with my mum when they both worked together for the Themis Group. Dr Hazlitt also submitted to a kaleidoscope mind wipe, but... Following an incident in the Ural Mountains a year or so ago. Uh, hi, room 23? That one there? Thanks. Following the shenanigans in the Urals, he has now regained his original memory, so Uncle Dave is back to being Dr. Hazlitt. And. Dad, sort of. Except he doesn't know that. Ah, oh, Miss Page. Good of you to finally join us. Oh, yes. This is Miss Bartholomew. No relation to my previous treacherous snake of a boss who seems to have vanished into thin air. All the heads of section are called Bartholomew, for security reasons. Who are you talking to? Me. No one. What a strange person you are. Whatever you're up to, don't think you can pull the wool over my eyes. Oh, never, ma'am. How's the arm? Getting better, slowly. Well, speed it up. Your ridiculous union has you on paid sick leave, even though you could be perfectly functional sitting at a desk. We're short-handed, and I want you back as soon as possible. This is Dr... What's your name? Um, Winslow. I, I'm not a doctor. What? Why not? Were all the doctors busy? No. Uh, this is a mortuary, so you... No, mind, don't care. Let's get on with it. Well? That's him. Who him? You need to say it aloud for the identification. That's Aldrich Kemp. Good. Well, that's one less thing we have to worry about. Could I have a moment? I don't care. I'm, I'm late for a meeting. Until you're back on my clock, you can fritter away your day however you like. 
Mr. Winslow, would you mind? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not supposed to leave the room. I understand. I'm sorry. I was supposed to protect you. This wasn't supposed to happen. Um, I might just uh, go and grab a coffee. I did ask Sabine to go easy on you, and it's not your fencing arm, is it? Sabine who? Sabine Sia. She's from Malaysia. Very capable. What was she doing there? You didn't mention her. And two assassins? Also, who was the guy pretending to be you at the champagne bar? And where is he now? Well, he's dead, isn't he? Poor chap. I think he's in the next drawer over. Lightness uncanny. Isn't it? Spooky. Wilhelm Ausberger. He's actually directly descended from the Kaiser. Quite a prestigious family back in the day, but poor Wilhelm lost all the money playing Chemin de Fer and then found out he had inoperable liver cancer. I said I'd see his wife and kids right if he did me a favour. Oh, get assassinated in your place. That's not a bad deal. He was heading that way anyway. And this was much less traumatic. A needle gun, would you believe? One and a half inches of finest iridium steel fired from a small air gun enters the brain without leaving any visible trace on the outside. Instant and painless. Oh, well, lucky Wilhelm. You seem irritated. I got shot. Yes, well, someone tried to kill me. Yet once again, not a scratch. Some people are just lucky. I was told one assassin. Stop him before he gets to you and don't let on to my lot that I know what's going on. Correct. So? Well, it got more complicated. Right, and when that happened, why didn't you let me know the plan of change? There were a lot of moving parts, Clara. Sometimes it doesn't do to have every cog in the machine knowing what every other cog is doing. Well, this cog got shot. I really think you need to move past that. Oh, really? Have you ever been shot? Actually, uh, yeah, funny story. I was in Rio de Janeiro once and Mrs Boone and I were going down the... What happened at Heathrow? (sighs) Fine. Okay, well, it's a little like a chess game. I got word that someone was trying to kill me, but I couldn't find out the who, or the how, or the why. I can make a few good guesses at the why. Touché. It occurred to me, as you know, to set myself up as bait, draw the assassin to me and have you intercept. That was the plan. But when we discovered that the assassin who had been hired was one Miguel Angel Espinosa, I realised it had to be a blind. No one sends a second-rate button man after a target of my calibre. So then I put myself in the other chap's shoes, the, uh, the chap who ordered the hit. His target is the notorious outlaw genius, Aldrich Kemp. Or not wanting to toot your own horn. It's not how I see myself, but I think one has to be realistic about one's public image. Anyway, if I was targeting me, I would expect me to have spotted me a mile away and put countermeasures in place, which I had. You. And a trigger-happy Malaysian. Well, you see, the problem is your section tends to do things quietly. And I realised I needed a bigger distraction. My foe sends Mr Espinosa my way, knowing I will have spotted the approach, knowing also that I will be acting against it. Sabine tackles poor Mr Espinosa in a manner that draws attention, serving as a worthy distraction, at which point hitman number two enters the fray, while everyone is looking the other direction. Once I realised this, I took myself out of the equation entirely. 
Enter Mr. Wilhelm Ausberger, playing yours truly. So now it looks like I have brought in your people and Sabine Sierra to head off Mr. Espinosa. That piece of theatre plays out and I stand off to the side, heavily disguised from where I am able to observe and identify the second assassin as he puts a needle into dear Wilhelm's brain, believing him to be me and thus believing his mission to have been accomplished. Would you like a round of applause? I merely put on the best possible show. The audience reaction is out of my hands. So who was the second assassin? A man called Novak. Is that a first or last name? Uh, oh, no idea. Rumour has it that he trained as a Catholic priest but was defrocked for some murky reason. Bearing a grudge against the boss, as a result, he somehow worked his way into the pontifical Swiss guard in the Vatican. The people in the funny costumes? That, I'm sure, is how they like to be described. Anyway, Novak, or Mr. Novak, who knows, used his Vatican access to attempt the assassination of the Pope. Well, that's quite a grudge. Indeed. The Pope, as you probably know, was not brutally murdered... Mr. Novak was intercepted, but he did manage to escape the scene, albeit having been shot in the throat, as a result of which he would henceforth be referred to in underworld circles as the Whisperer. He is a very capable and reassuringly expensive gun for hire. So who hired him? Ah, well, that is the piece of the puzzle which we don't yet have. Which you don't yet have? I don't need it. Oh, don't be a in the mud, Clara. This is exciting. Someone is trying to kill me. Well, they think they've succeeded, so they're probably not still trying. Exactly right. We have the upper hand. And Mr Novak has one significant habitual hangover from his days as a man of the cloth. He always attends his victims' funerals. You follow him from there and we will be on the trail of his paymaster. Well, why don't you do it? You're a master of disguise, apparently. I shall not be attending my own funeral, Clara. It's morbid. Well, then someone in the Themis group? No. Why not? Because they think I'm dead. Wait, so you didn't share this whole... No! Because you think it was one of them? I have been unable to rule out the possibility. Aunt Lily, Nikisha, Mrs. Bush. I don't know. I doubt they were behind it, but I'm led to suspect that whoever thinks they've killed me had help. An inside job. Why couldn't it have been me? (laughs) Because you're not on the inside, Clara. You turned it down, remember? To go back to your dreary government job. And that currently makes you the only person in the world that I can trust. I had seen this as one of those super traditional burials in an ancient churchyard because that is the most Aldrich Kemp thing ever. Except, of course, that this is a cremation because you don't want anyone digging up a coffin and finding it empty. Or worse, containing the body of some bankrupt German lush. Hello, Clara. Hello, Aunt Lily. It was good of you to come, Matt. Of course. I'm so sorry. Thank you, dear. Clara. Hello, Sebastian. Nikisha. How are you bearing up? I'm not all that well, to be honest. Obviously, in our line of work, this is always a risk, but... Is there anything I can do? No, that's kind of you. I I think we'll be all right. I haven't seen Mrs. Boone. She's taken all this rather badly, I'm afraid. She's she's on one of her rampages. Hmm. She does this sometimes, her way of blowing off steam. There's a list of people Aldrich has crossed swords with in the past, and when things go downhill... Mrs. Boone tends to, um... Shorten the list. 
I will pray for the eternal soul of the departed. Bingo. Would you excuse me a moment? I'll catch up with you later. Of course. All right, Mr. Novak. Let's see where you go. Following someone when you're on your own is not nearly as straightforward as they make it look in the films. Losing a single tail is the easiest thing in the world, which is why we usually have a whole formation of people following a subject. Everyone switches positions constantly, so even if the subject spots one person following them, we can immediately rotate that person out before someone new. We'll have people ahead, people to the side, and we'll have CCTV and live satellite imagery to back us up. And someone like Novak hasn't been as successful as he is without knowing how to spot and lose a tail. Which is how I know that he's standing at that bus stop. Not because he intends to get a bus, but because it gives him an excuse to look around and see if anyone is watching him. And so now I'm just hoping that a woman with an umbrella browsing in a shop window across the street is not going to arouse his suspicions. Oh. Now your bluff has been called, mate. Because here's the bus. So now you're going to have... Oh, balls, he's getting hot. <sighs> OK. Um, he must have gone upstairs. So I can take a seat down here. And there's no way off the bus without going right past... Oh, balls! He must have gone straight back off again. Oh, uh, let me off, wrong bus, sorry. So he did spot the tail. He's good. Oh, and now he's in a cab. Crap! Taxi! Look at that cab! You're joking, Angela. Call me love again and see how funny I am. Hi, Mum. Bad time. No, I'm just in the middle of... No, I literally don't have a couple of... Absolutely, yes. I'll call you back. Okay, yes. Okay, bye. What is it then? Boyfriend trouble? Excuse me? Fella in the cab. Your boyfriend. Well, that's an interesting read on the situation. Well, he done exactly look like James Bond. <laughs> I should know. I've had Daniel Craig and Pierce Brosnan sat right where you are. Together? No, not together. What was Daniel Craig like? Yeah, nice fella, actually. For a United fan. You had Daniel Craig in your cab and you talked about football. Yeah. Yeah, it's magic. Not the kind of magic I imagine with Daniel Craig. Uh, he's pulling up at the tube station. Don't get too close. Drop me here. Well, I'll be worth the bother. It's only a couple of hundred yards. Well, then the tip will be worth it. Keep the change. in the tunnel. 
third rail that I'm supposed to be wary of. At least I think it is. I've never really been sure which rail is the third. Which side am I counting from? Is it, is it the middle one? I'm going to just not touch any rails on the upside. Novak seems to have stopped running, which means he thinks he's lost me. Ah, uh, that's the downside. Oh, God. That was horrible. And also, filthy. Oh, Paul, where did he go? Aha! A door. basement of some kind of office building. I have no idea where we are now or where... Ha! of London. Where did he go? Uh, Jane Underwood? No, dear, it's Catherine. I'm Jane. Oh. Are we killing her now? Well, I mean, we could, couldn't we? Save a lot of bother. Let's not be hasty, ladies. There's a proper order to these things. Agonising torture first, slow, painful death after. Just because Mr. Kemp is no longer with us, that's no reason to let ourselves become slapdash. In Chapter 1 of Who Killed Aldrich Kemp by Julian Simpson, Clara Page was Phoebe Fox, Aldrich Kemp, Ferdinand Kingsley, Mrs. Boone, Nicola Walker, Sebastian Harcourt, Kyle Soler, Nikisha Kemp, Carla Crome, Aunt Lily, Susan Jameson, the Underwood sisters, Jana Carpenter, Sabine Sear, Rebecca Bowie, Mrs. Bartholomew, Kate Isett, Blue Two, Ben Crow, Winslow and Blue One, James Joyce. The music was composed by Tim Elsenberg. Sound design was by David Thomas. The director was Julian Simpson and the producer Sarah Tomblin. And it's a Sweet Talk production for BBC Radio 4. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.